Good morning. Well, I show you that video because you may not realize it, but that is all of your work. You guys did that. And we just showed that at our three-year anniversary. Um, it's, we have two services, 450 people, and you guys did it. And I want to I thank you because you took a risk. And Pastor Larry and Shirley and Pastor Carlos and Matt and the elders and the staff, all of you in this room took a risk four years ago and said, we're going to do something greater than us, bigger than us, further than us. And you asked me to speak in a series that says, stop running scared. And I kind of laughed. I go, you know, as a church, you don't run scared. You take risk. And so that risk for you four years ago was launching myself and my family, and it also cost you something. It cost you in finances. For a year, you guys were paying our salary as we um, went person to person and said, hey, you want to come to church? We're going to start a new church. And we started in our backyard around a bonfire, and you guys were supporting us in that stage of just trying to start from scratch. And that, that's, it was crazy, but you guys were supporting in prayer. You were supporting in finances. You started sending up groups. I don't know if you know this. Hopefully you do. Hopefully, I, hopefully you know my name. This is David Hopper. I was here. I used to work here a while ago. Some of you might be new. Anyway, uh, you were sending up groups, and we built children's classrooms. We built a nursery. Your children's ministry actually donated a bunch of their toys and, and filled our nursery up. Uh, that conference table, I don't know if you saw Carlos was building that conference table that we use on a weekly basis. This is your victory. And I hope that you really take that in for a moment, that you did something as a church beyond yourselves. You weren't scared and you stepped out and you went for it with all kinds of risk involved. And I think God did some amazing things, still is. And so as we shift this message today, what I want to do is say, are you also doing that in your personal lives? Because as a church, you're doing it. I'm, I'm seeing it over and over and over again in the way that you guys live as a church. So personally, are you also taking on that same mantra of not running scared when it comes to doing things for God? For Elisa and I, it was a challenging road that we went on to do this. I think a lot of you get our newsletter, and in our newsletter, over the last four years, it's a monthly newsletter that I send out to you. You're going to see a part in there in which I'm asking you to pray for Elisa. Because when, as soon as we got there, it was like the dust of Clovis just decided they were going to attack Elisa's lungs. And she's been fighting. We've been in and out of the hospital. Every concoction of medicine you can imagine. It's been difficult, um, to say the least. And it's been four years of just this attack on the lungs. And at any point along the way, it would have been very easy to say, I just want to go back to Canyon. <laughs> I just want to get out of here. It was very, very challenging. And then for our, myself, I also had some, some pretty big things happen that had never happened before. When I first got there, there was this anxiety attack on myself. And so in the middle of the night, I would wake up and I would just start freaking out like of all the things that need to be done and, and all the different pieces that need to come together. And there's so many holes. What are we going to do? And my brain would go so fast that I would get up out of bed in the middle of the night and then just pass out, like fall to the ground. Like one time I hit the, the bathtub and it put this massive red welt on my face, on my forehead for like a week and my wife was kind of freaking out, like, what is going on? And I go, I don't know. 
I don't know what's going on. I've never had this before where I'm just so, it's so intense. Um, and so I started reading scripture and memorizing scripture so that I could just quote it through the night and just quote scripture over and over again and try and control the mind and, and get it under control. And it took six months to a year, but it, it, was, it was a challenge. And we, we overcame it, and God does that. But there's many times in that process where we're like, um, I just want to quit. I just, I want to run away. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to continue to press forward and see all that he wants to accomplish. Now, in this time of, of your series, you've talked about a lot of different angles. And the, the angle I want you to take away today is that God does expect us to do something with our lives. God expects something. He expects us to use the gifts he's given us. And the reason I say it like this is you are unique in every way. Your whole personality is unique. Each one of you, when you come in, you have a different personality, and it's unique. It's special. And then you've been given these spiritual gifts that God speaks of these gifts throughout the Bible as like a superpowers. You're able to do things that others can't do. And you're able to sense things around you. You're able to, to know when somebody's saying something, what they're really saying. All these different gifts that are just beyond amazing that are inside of you. And then you have this brain that has the ability to learn and to do new things. You're talented. You have, you have a, an ability, if you wanted four years from now, you could change degrees and careers and it, totally change your life. That's talent. That's gifts. And on and on and on, I could, I could just list off all the ways in which you are special. And God says, you know, I expect you to do something with that. Now, we're not talking about accepting Jesus Christ, going to heaven. Those are very simple things special, amazing, simple things in which we are going to experience eternity together. But then there's this rest of this Bible that speaks of now that you're here, are you using these gifts to do something special for me? In fact, he says, I want you to use both your bad and your good experiences of life. If you'll give those to me, I'll do something with that too. He tells us that, yeah, We've, you've, you've gone through something that most have not and you shouldn't have and you shouldn't be dealing with this, but you did. That was something you faced in life. And if you'll give it over to me, I'll do something amazing with it. He says that too. And he says, if you'll give me your best, I'll do even more. We have this parable in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And it's called the parable of the talents. Now, if you have NIV, for some reason, they translated this as the parable of the bags of gold. It's a really bad translation. I've talked to them, but they just went with it anyway. Because the original word is talentons, and it literally means uh, something weighed. It's a, a weight of something. And so what they did with it is they made it about money, which makes total sense because the way that they would uh, do money in this time period was they had weights and you brought your bag of gold, your pirate booty, and you'd put it on one side and they would decide how much that's worth and then you could use that to exchange for whatever else. So it makes sense how it was translated, but I love the word talentons, which translates to talents for us because it's saying the weight of these talentons, the weight of your talents is worth something. And it's the same concept of, are you taking all that I've given you and these talents and the weight 
of this gift? And are you then using that for an exchange for God's glory? Because the parable goes on and says, I gave some of you, or this one guy, I gave you five talents. And he goes, I took that five talents. And I think most of you know this story. He invested it into stocks and bonds or whatever. And then he brought five more talents. Give me a modern translation of it. I'm kidding around with you. But he brings it back with five more. And the guy says, good job. Well done. The guy has two talents. He takes those two talents, invests it, uses it, does great things, brings it back with two more with it. And then the guy with one talent, he takes that talent and says, I know you're kind of a ruthless owner and you care about this stuff. So I took this talent and I buried it. I protected it so I could bring it back to you and look how beautiful it is, just like you gave it to me. And the owner is like, you idiot. This is now my translation. (laughs) You idiot. Why would you? I've given you all this and you did nothing with it. Give yours to the guy with five, which is so, it's just mind-boggling to me because I'm like, what you're saying, God, is you want to bless even more those that are are already blessed because you want to see those blessings poured out in such a greater way. Okay, I get it. It's so different than sometimes that we sort of translate the world, but God wants us to do something with these gifts that he gives us. He expects us to do amazing things. And he says, if you'll give them to me, we'll do them. These verses, 16 says, he who has received the five talents went out once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Verse 21, his master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much, much more. Enter the joy of your master. You know what I see here? What we do matters. It matters what we do with this gift that we've been given and all that we've been given, both good and bad. There's a book that John Maxwell wrote. It's called Failing Forward. I love this book because I felt like I felt like a release that I could I could be okay messing up all the time. Yeah, I I fail a lot because I kind of run too fast and I just jump out there and just want to do something. And sometimes that fails, but this book was all about, yeah, just keep moving forward and you will fail forward and you you'll look back at some point and say, Yeah, I messed up a lot, but man, we're here now and we're doing this now. And it just gave me such a, a, a freedom to be who God made me to be. I think about our history, someone like George Washington. So George Washington failed a lot. In fact, he lost two-thirds of the battles that he was in. But we still like the guy because he ends up winning in the end, right? He wins the Revolutionary War, becomes our first president. But if you look at his battles, he lost most of them. But he won just enough. He failed just enough to keep progressing to win the war. I like that. John Wesley is another good example. After the colonies were established, he comes over and says, we're going to win all the Indians to God. Well, he fails miserably. (laughs) I don't think he wins one to God. So he goes back to England and he's like, God, I don't know what in the world is going on. And he realizes that he was the one that needed a conversion. He ends up changing a lot, starts the Methodist church changes really, I think, the whole world based on what happens in his life. And so what you see is someone failing so bad that God could change the world with them. Catch that. 
We don't have to make it so big. Uh, a lot of sports characters do this as well. Think about Babe Ruth. This guy failed a lot. 1,300 plus strikeouts. But we don't know him for his strikeouts. We know him as one of the best home run hitters. Over 700 home runs by this guy. Right? But he failed far more than he did well. But we know him for his home runs. The 76ers are a good example, a very modern-day example. They look pretty good right now. I don't know if you know the 76ers. Not a great history of basketball with the 76ers. I'm not a huge 76ers fan. I actually like the Lakers. I'm excited about LeBron joining the Lakers next year. I don't know if you guys heard. Uh, his agents have been talking to mine, but he's going to be coming here to La La Land so that we can beat Golden State next year. You guys excited for that? But I digress. The 76ers, <laughs> they have a, a phrase they've been using over the last four or five years. Anybody know what it is? Trust the process. Who said that? That's right. That's right. Trust the process. And everyone's been making fun of them like, okay, so your process is lose miserably year after year after year. And at some point it works. Here's what's funny, this year it's working. Like they just won the first round. They're probably gonna beat Boston. I think they'll beat Boston and maybe beat the Cavs after that. If I can, you know, I just, I just kind of feel it. But they, they had this phrase and every sportscaster made fun of them. Everyone made fun of them. And then four years of being bad and bad and bad and bad, finally it's kind of working out and everyone's all, well, okay, I guess we trust the process. And I like it, I like it. Because I kind of think we need to do the same thing in our own lives. Why don't we trust the process when it comes to God? He gives us a process and says over and over, hey, I got you. I'm taking care of you. Uh, if you will give your gifts and talents and experiences and your, where you are currently right now and trust the process, fail forward, I'm going to take care of you. Don't run away. Don't be scared. I have a plan. For your life. Proverbs 24, 6, 16 says this, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again. This isn't the only place we see these types of scriptures. We're told in a lot of the stories and the parables that, hey, uh, you will fall, you will fail, there will be some struggles. In fact, some of the parables and some of these stories are super challenging because you're like, man, that guy had to go through a lot. And God's like, yeah, but trust the process because you will rise again and God wins. God wins if you will follow this plan. In your notes, I wanted you to trust the process in your own life. So pull out your notes for a second and just do this with me. On the first point there, I want you to think about your past. And I want you to write down one failure from your past. I know what you're probably saying. Just one? No. <laughs> I don't know if I said that joke right. It's, so this isn't a couch. <laughs> I don't want you to like pour out all your problems to me right now. I just want one. Just one failure from your past. And that first one that popped in your head is probably the one to write down. Just write it down real quick. And I want you to think through that problem or failure or challenge of your past. And I want you to say and be really honest, how did you grow from it? How did it make you stronger? Because it did. As bad as it was and as much as you hate the memory, 
It made you stronger, and you know it made you stronger. So go ahead and write that down. How did it make you stronger? You grew from it. You wouldn't want to go through it. You wouldn't wish for others to go through it, but you went through it, and it made you stronger. How? Write that down. What what did God do in that? I'll give you a minute because I want you to do it. As you go from the past to the present, what's one current struggle that you're facing right now? And again, the first thing that pops in your head may be the one. You can obviously take this and pray through it and spend more time with it. 20 seconds is probably not enough to really fix this right now. But just start this process. What is that one current struggle and how may God be making you stronger through it? How might you be getting stronger day by day even as you face this struggle that you don't really want to face? Perhaps God's doing something bigger than you even thought. Take some time with that. So that's the past, the present, and now the future. And this is something you want to do often. You want to take time to look at your past and say, oh, I see what God did there and how I grew stronger. And then use it in your personal, what are you dealing with right now? And how God may be making you stronger with what you're facing. Don't run away from it. Keep moving forward in it because God's making you stronger. And then challenge yourself. You're smart. You're intelligent. You have all kinds of gifts. What is one new challenge you can add to your life with God? Challenge yourself. Push yourself and say, I'm not just going to sit here with all this talent God's given to me. And I know some of us don't say that very often, but we need to. You are gifted. You are uniquely made. You're designed by God himself. What's a new way I can challenge myself to do something more? And how may I become stronger through this? Because if I will keep doing this, if I will keep challenging myself to move forward, not run away from challenge, but to continue to move forward, God will make you stronger and stronger and stronger, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Take some time with that. You may have to take it home and really pray through it. But what I like about it is not all of you are going to fail. Some of you, if you just write it down, there's something that happens in our minds where it's almost like this, this, this something happens and it clicks and everything moves forward and you're going to accomplish it just by writing it down. Now here's what's really cool. Many of you may fail and yet fail forward. And if you put yourself out there with this new challenge and say, God, I'm willing to do this, and you step out there and it doesn't quite work and you slide and it sort of moved to, oh, oh, this is what God was doing. And then you move forward there. That's a beautiful thing to watch. As people step up and begin doing things for God, there's this amazing thing where God moves you to the right spot because you're just moving and willing to be moved. That's so awesome as a pastor to see over and over and over again. People stepping up, and it's not quite the right spot, but just by stepping up, they get to the right spot. It's awesome. 2 Timothy 4.7 says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The reason I love this, this series of verses through here is he doesn't tell me I have to win. That's, that's really nice. 
We, we live in a culture where winning and losing is everything. Uh, that's not what we see here. If you have God, you've already won. So what he tells us is just continue to fight the good fight. Continue and finish the race. Your placement, your winning and losing, that's, that's up to God. But just finish the race and keep the faith. God's going to do things through you as you do this. I love that. It makes me realize and remember that the real win in this world is Jesus Christ. The real win is I already have Jesus, and hopefully all of you do as well. And if you have this relationship with Jesus, you're going to experience an incredible life here, and you're going to experience an incredible life in eternity. Everything else is icing on this cake we've already been given. So let's move forward in a way that says, God, what's this icing going to taste like? What can we do next? I'm just going to continue to fight the good fight because, God, you're doing awesome things. You could, you could win or gain all the money in the world. If you don't have Jesus, what did you really get in this life? Or you could have the most incredible spouse and kids, and they go to the right schools, and they have these wonderful grandkids, and you have these great moments of contentment. But if, if you don't have Jesus... That is a really short life. It's just here and gone like that. We miss the point. Or you could be at your, your job and work your way up and push people down and try and get to the top and you claw your way there and you're at the top and if you're there and there's no Jesus in you, you're going to be so unfulfilled. You're going to be like, Why, what was this for? I don't understand. The win is Jesus. So all these other parts of life are awesome and beautiful and can be great things. Maybe not pushing people down on your corporate ladder, but, you know, just enjoying your job. It can be a beautiful thing because you have Jesus and you're like, I also like to work. And so you, you, you keep moving forward knowing that this is icing. The last time I checked, there's not many U-Hauls on the back of hearse on their way to the funeral. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I've showed this, I think, a lot because it reminds me all the time that that's not how it works. There's no point in having all my stuff in the U-Haul. I'm dead. So am I living my life in a way that says, God, you get the wins. You can take the losses. The kingdom of God is going to do what it does. I'm going to give all that I have, the gifts, the joy, the talentons, back to you and do so much more because that's what this life is about. It's a beautiful thing if we leave winning to God. We have to stop running scared. Stop taking everything on ourselves and saying, I don't know if I should do that. I don't know if I should move forward with that. Because if we let God have the win, our goal is to fight the good fight, to finish the race, and to keep the faith. This Valley Friends Church story that you guys have built and, and have so much victory, and I, I love the story because it's continuing to evolve about actually almost seven, eight months ago, the denomination came to Lisa and I and they said, we would like you to consider a position in which you are helping all 45 of our churches here in the Southwest. And what we want you to do is go to the churches and be involved in the churches to help church growth, church planting, leadership development, be involved in this process for churches. And I go, that sounds a lot like me, but no thank you because I'm building a church right here in Clovis. So we said no, and they came back around a month or two later, 
And they asked again, and we're like, yeah, it sounds amazing. And this time they were talking about Anaheim and planning a church there and just so many cool things. And I'm like, it sounds fantastic. But no, because we're doing something in Clovis. And then Elisa says, hey, perhaps God's answering a prayer that we've been praying over four years on a daily basis in a way that we just don't understand, that we didn't realize That God's saying, no, I'm trying to answer your prayer. I'm trying to answer your prayer for you. You need to listen. And so the third time that it came along, we said, okay, I think God's doing something. And it sounds a little scary. It's sort of big. But we're supposed to move in this direction so that God can say, I'm answering this prayer by doing something that's going to be even more incredible. And here's what's cool. Uh, Here's what blew us away. We did say yes to that, and we were all excited about that. And I would say within a week, there was this church right down the street, like a mile away from us. And this church planted at the same time that we launched our church. And so those guys and myself, there's there was three, and um, in this picture, Matthew Cork's in the middle. He is the pastor at Yorba Linda, so I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the other three, and then that's me on the left. But anyway. We were hanging out and golfing on a weekly basis, and we just enjoyed each other. We were all friends, had a blast together. And they came that week, having no idea what decision Elisa and I had made. And they said to us, they go, hey, we've been watching you from a distance for like two years, and we love everything about friends. We want to be in this denomination. We want to do church together, and we feel like where we're strong, you're weak, and where you're weak, we're strong. And I think if we come together, it's going to be so much better. And I just started laughing, going, oh, God, you're so funny. You're so funny. Because not only do the church get stronger, but now every hole that I was going to leave, you filled it within the first week. And the church, like, we did it on Easter, and it tripled in size. It was an amazing experience. And the biggest hole we would have had would have been Elisa. Elisa's why people actually come to church, at our church anyway, because she's the worship leader and it's amazing. Well, they had like three worship teams. So we immediately filled that hole. And some of the areas that I did, the other pastors can do. And it's just incredible to see that if we step out, we may fail. Um, but if we're not scared and we keep pushing forward and we keep giving our talent and saying yes to God, God wins. God wins. And he does things that are beyond belief in this world, the things that just blow our mind. And we continue to get to see God do miracles we would have never expected. To see him do stuff like that where I was like, (laughs) how does two churches merge that have no financial issues? They're not replacing someone because they had some moral failure. They just kind of like each other and wanted to. And they're like, Okay, let's just do it. That's, that's unheard of unless you give the victories to God, not yourself. And you just continue to fight the fight. You continue to finish the race. And you continue to keep the faith. Let's pray. Will you stand with me for a moment? I want to lead you in a prayer. And I think there's two parts to it. On one part, 
there's a challenge or a struggle that you're facing that you need to give it to God and say, God, I want you to win. And I'm going to trust the process because I, I, I feel like I'm failing with it, but I want to fail forward with it. So I'm going to lay it in your hands and say, God, what's your win? You win with it. And that's one of the areas where we have to let God win and stop running from it. Don't be scared of it. Say, God, I want you to win. And then the other one, I think it's victory. It's a high, high victory, and things are going really well. And you take those talentons and you say, God, I want to do even more. I want to see even greater victory with this stuff. I am excited about you. I'm excited about my life and what you're doing. Now let's do more. How could you win in an even greater way? One of those prayers are for you. So as I pray, will you just pray that prayer out to God? God, we come before you. And we give you the struggle and we give you the victory. And Lord, I pray as they begin to, to personalize this in their own lives, that you would hear exactly what they're saying and that you would win. Put your win into their scenario. Just release it to God. Say it to God. What's the wind?